Today we're going to be uh, in Psalm chapter 1. I want to invite you to turn there. We're going to look at that passage as we begin the new year. So, uh, happy new year, Psalm 1. In 2012, a research study was commissioned by the American Bible Society and uh, conducted by the Barner Research Group, and it revealed some good news and bad news about Bible reading in America. The good news is this, 85% of the households in the U.S. have at least one Bible, and on average, uh, Americans have 4.3 Bibles in their home. I don't know how they did the point three. It's probably the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. To believe the Bible provides answers on how it's average, meaningful life. That's pretty significant. And now, the not-so-good news. 26% of Americans never read the Bible. I would say it's probably low. It's probably, it's probably a lot higher than that. That's just my opinion. Uh, 26% of Americans never read. 10% read it less than once a year. I don't know how you do that, read the Bible less than once a year. I guess it's over a longer period. Uh, 79% of those surveyed believe they are knowledgeable about the Bible, but 54% were unable to identify the first five books of the Bible. Uh, 46% of Americans believe the Bible, the Koran, and the Book of Mormon are different expressions of the very same spiritual truth. Survey participants never had enough time to read it. What about you? Uh, do you own at least one Bible in your home? Or do you have 4.3 at your house? Do you believe the Bible provides meaningful and significant answers to life? Same question as asked to that survey. Do you read your Bible? Uh, would you say that you read your Bible regularly? Would you say that you're knowledgeable about the Bible? And then the really hard question, can you name the first five books? I'm not sure that will make you knowledgeable, but it's a start. Do you believe the Bible is different than the Koran or the Book of Mormon? Do you have enough time to read your Bible? Sir, and I understand that's a fairly common American answer when it comes to the Bible, and it's even a common answer for Christians who are committed to Christ. But it basically comes down to our priorities. What is important in our lives? And I just think uh, as we begin a new year, it's just good. And I like to start fresh, okay? December 31st was yesterday. That was that. We got a new year. We have a chance to look ahead now and realign priorities. I love to do that every year. And I picked Psalm 1 today to help us refocus and get a fresh start for this year. And let's look at Psalm uh, ch chapter 1. Psalm 1 is called the to all of the Psalms. Psalter, Psalter referring to all of the Psalms. It's the introduction to all of the Psalms. And it's also called the wisdom Psalm because it's written a little bit like a proverb. So here we go. We're going to read it. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked 
or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the sin. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we're going to look at this psalm. First of all, verses 1 through 3, we see the wise path. Uh, Seeing this as the wisdom psalm, we're going to look at the wise path. And the condition of the one in the wise path is blessed or blessed. Blessed is this one. Blessed means, oh, the happiness. And we're not talking about happiness that uh, is about your outward circumstances. We're talking about, oh, the deep happiness of one's... It's based on experiencing God's favor. This person is blessed because what God has done because of the choices that they have made. The choices um, we see also in verse 1, what he does not do, the one who's blessed, he does not walk in step with the wicked. Notice there's a progression here. Walk, stand, or sit. He does not walk in step uh, with the wicked. He doesn't try to keep up. Wicked refers to those who are uh, not in relationship with God. Uh, They are unbelievers. They are people far from God. They are people who don't care about God's values. Not interested. Don't want it. And uh, the blessed one is one who does not keep in step with the wicked. Uh, They don't spend their time with the uh, hangout with, uh, don't spend their time the next with those who are making choices that are far from God. The next is they don't stand in the way that sinners take. This is the course that sinners take. All of us are sinners, and you know I know you're going to remind me of that right away. Some are redeemed, some are not. The concept here in Psalm 1 of sinners is somebody who is callous and uh, far from God, has no intentions, of uh, embracing truth. This is not about, you know, look at Psalm 1. Jesus fulfilled Psalm 1. Did Jesus spend time with sinners and tax collectors? Yes. He loved them. But he didn't follow their course. He loved them. He interacted with them. And Jesus is our model. And it really helps as we look at Psalm 1. Did not stand in the way that sinner, someone who does not care about will sin, callous attitude toward God. He did not care about God's values. And then um, he does not sit in the company of mockers. You know, there's a progression. You moving toward, stopping, engaging, and now sitting. The idea of this person is going to camp out with, fellowship with be in relationship with, participate in that lifestyle. Um, Do not sit in the company of mockers. Mockers are those people who uh, make fun of God and his values. People who laugh at God's perspective. 
people who uh, make fun of those who follow Christ and hold up to Christ's values. That's what a mocker would be. And this person who is blessed does not go there. Um, he does, verse 2, what does this uh, person who's blessed do? Whose delight is in the law of the Lord. This was Jesus' life. His delight was in doing God's will. His delight was fulfilling Scripture. Uh, the one who is blessed is the one who delights in God's Word. He finds joy in it. He finds studying God's Word rewarding. He finds God wor- God's Word encouraging, sometimes comforting. He finds it edifying. It builds his life or her life. And this one who is blessed also meditates on this law day and night. When you see law, see God's word. You have to remember uh, when this was written, when Psalm 1 was written, uh, a lot of the Old Testament had been written yet, and none of the New Testament had been written. And it referred to primarily the first five books that you can all name, right? It referred to the books that Moses wrote, the law, and thus it refers to which is instruction. And by application to us, it refers to all of God's word, all that God has communicated to us. And we have the complete book. And they did not. They, didn't, they, they had uh, inklings about the Messiah coming. And we know who the Messiah is. And we know the purpose of the Messiah. And we know what he's done, Jesus Christ. We know he's coming again. We got the whole story. We know who wins. He meditates on this law day and night. Uh, the idea, it's, it's uh, at the forefront of thinking throughout the day. It's not just, oh yeah, I got to read this book. And then you forget it. It's about, okay, I reflect on it during the, the morning. I think about it during the day. I apply it to situations throughout the day. And I end the day back with, Focusing on God's word. Uh, is thinking about, okay, how does this set of scripture apply to my situation right now? Tomorrow I'm going to have a different set of circumstances and I need to know how to take God's word and know what I should do tomorrow. And I have to think about it to do that. I need to study it. And, and the great thing is, God didn't leave us alone. He he gave us the church, and he gave us one another, and, and we can process life together in small groups, and we can learn from each other. We can encourage each other. We can show scripture that's helpful to each other. And God provides teachers to the church to help us understand scripture. So, uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, speak about the blessed man or woman, word. Let's look at this. Think about the blessed person, man or woman, boy or girl. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From his mouth, his speech, what he communicates, his word. Think God's word. That's what he's talking about. The Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom is the art of skillful living. How do I live life? How do I navigate? Not everything's black and white. A lot of people just want to think everything's going to be black and white. Do, don't. Do, don't. It's not like that. 
requires wisdom. Sometimes I make this choice. Sometimes I make this choice. Verse 7, he holds success. God holds success in store for the upright. He is the shield to whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Let's go back to success. God gives success to people who follow his word. What kind of success? World standards? It's the American dream, right? Everybody gets a two-story house with a white picket fence and 2.3 children. So it's not the American dream. It's success in God's eyes. It's success when you get to the end of life. It's an eternal perspective. When you get to the end of life, God says, Well done, you good and faithful servant. That's ultimate success. It's measured by him. And if you want some uh, values about how it's going to be measured, it's right here in this book. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 33 through 36. Another look. Listen to my instruction and be wise and do not regard it. This is wisdom speaking. Instruction, think God's word. Blessed. There it is. Oh, the happiness of those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. What an approach to Scripture with anticipation. Watching daily. God, what will you show me today? What shall I learn? Is there something that I need to apply? It's going to be just for me. That's the amazing thing about a personal relationship with Christ. He knows what you need today. He knows the decisions you have to make. He knows the struggles. He knows your temptations. And he can deliver through his word to you daily. Okay? For those who find, find me, find life. As we follow God's word, we find life. We, life comes from Jesus. And where do we learn about Jesus? From scripture, from God's word. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. Next slide. But those who fail to find me, those who fail to connect with God's word, God's revelation to us, harm themselves and all who hate me love death. Because that's what they're pursuing. Death being separation. Separation from God. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. By the way, how are you going to know God? Knowledge of the Holy One. We're going to know Him by what He's communicated about Himself. And one of the things I find throughout the years, uh, so many Christians who don't know God very well, and they get... They get their ideas and they're just partial. They know a little bit about God's love. Or they know a little bit about God's mercy. They know a little bit about God's justice. And they get them all mixed up. And they, and they get an attitude toward God or something's not fair. And they, and they don't see all of Scripture. Or they think, they get, we sometimes feel entitled. Look, I'm a good person. Why doesn't God just bless me? Why doesn't God give me money? I'm a good person. You know, what does Scripture say? 
Um, so, it's important. Knowledge of the Holy One is going to come through our knowledge of Scripture. Understanding. Understanding more and more about Scripture. Understanding more about who God is. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 119, the whole chapter. It's 168 verses. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, 33 through 37. Here's why I like it. It's all about God's Word. It encourages me when I read it. And it's just kind of a prayer request, one after another. It's an opportunity to talk to God personally. So here's the psalmist. And he says, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees. Think God's word, his decrees. Teach me. I need to be taught. I can ask God to teach me. I just don't have to think, well, I've got to read this. The way of your decrees. That I may follow it to the end. That's a desire. He wants to follow, but I just got to know. I've got to be taught. I need to be equipped. Give me understanding. I need understanding. I just don't understand it all. I need help, and I can pray, and I can just ask God. This is real life, you know, because I don't understand everything. It's okay to ask God for help so that I may keep your law, so I can keep your word, so I can obey it with all my heart. All my heart. Full devotion. Fully devoted to God. Fully devoted to Christ. All my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands. I need direction because sometimes I like to go off road. I need God to direct me. I can just ask him. I can come to his word. Direct me in the path of your commands. There I find delight. Next game. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Sometimes I just would like to be selfish. And I, just, I can read this. I can come back to it. God, this is what I need. I need to turn my heart back. I need to turn to you. I'm getting selfish. Turn my eyes, verse 37, away from worthless things. Sometimes I get caught up in stuff. I think stuff is going to make me happy. If I could just buy one more thing, I'll, be, I'll feel better. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Okay, one more Psalm 119 passage. Verses 49 through 50. And the psalmist says, Remember your word to your servant. Lord, you've made promises. Don't forget. Now, God doesn't have a problem with his memory. But it's just that psalmist pleading, God, you've made promises to me. Remember them. For you have given me hope. Hope is so important. Hope is why... I'm going to hope every day to this new year. We have eternal hope. We have hope every day. Hope comes from God's word. And then verse 50, I just wanted us to see this. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. You see, being blessed by God doesn't mean you won't have difficulty. It's, this is just real life. We Sometimes we... We have a wrong view of Scripture. We think, I'm not supposed to have problems if God is taking care of me. Not true. How about Jesus being the example? Did he face some difficult things? 
Did he face some pain? Yes. Was he doing exactly what God wanted? Yes. Was he blessed? Yes. And the psalmist, my comfort in my suffering. What he gets from God is comfort. Because it's life. None of us can have realistic expectations that we won't have suffering. Uh, Verse 3, the description continues. The description of the blessed man. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. The land of Israel is very arid. Um, A stream of water, a brook, is so refreshing. It's so life-giving. It's so important. It's so valuable in their culture. And a tree planted by streams of water has to put roots down deep because it doesn't rain a lot. And it has to put its root down deep, 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet to get water but it reaches the water, life-giving. And this person, this is a metaphor. And, And this person, this is a metaphor, is like the tree that has to put roots down deep. God's word is life giving water for us. It's life giving. And it says, uh, it's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Uh, this water helps produce fruit. The tree produces fruit, but it's in season. What does that mean? It's not 24-7. It's at the right time. It's at the proper time. And it's the same for us. We walk with God, we follow His commands, we bear fruit in season at the right time. And He's the one who gets determined the right time. Answered prayer, right time. A loved one comes to faith in Christ at the right time. He is the one, God's Word produces the fruit. And, and this, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers, I think you already know what I'm going to say about that. Uh, The leaf does not wither. You know, the body may wither, but the soul doesn't wither when you're connected to the Word of God. It's all about the big picture. It's about eternity, an eternal perspective from God's perspective. What is prosperous? And it's not necessarily prosperity in the world's life. God may bless you financially, and that's awesome. I hope He does. But that's not what it means to prosper here. Joshua 1.8 is a similar verse. Uh, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So this is what Moses told Joshua. This uh, mentee, the next leader of Israel, to do. This book, God's word. Keep it on your lips. Meditate, reflect, think about it, study it, memorize it. All throughout the day, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. This is what it's going to take. 
to reach that day when God says, well done. Well done. Verses 4 and 5, the unwise path. This condition is not blessed. God's favor is not on the person who ignores God's word. And thank you for your patience. And the description, verse 4. Of the person who is not blessed, Psalm chapter 1, verse 4. Not so the wicked, the one who has no covenant relationship with God. That would be the way we would talk about it in the Old Testament. No covenant relationship, no Old Testament covenant relationship, which was by faith. And we would say that today, no new covenant relationship or someone who does not have a relationship with God. Not so the wicked. They are like, metaphor, chaff. That the wind blows away. So go back to the uh, ancient Israel at harvest time, the harvesting the wheat. And the way they would do that is they would, uh, the, the farmer would take a fork and he would scoop it into the grain and he would throw it up in the air. Uh, this doesn't sound like a super efficient way to do it, but they still do it today in parts of Israel. Uh, throw it up in the air and a breeze would come along and it would take the chaff, it would take the husk, it would take the light stuff, a little bit heavier, and it would just fall to the ground. And that's what they wanted. That's what they saved. That's what they stored. That's what they used was the grain. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. There's no eternal hope, verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They have nothing to show standing before God. They did not follow his instructions. They did not read the owner's manual. They will fall in the final judgment. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They will not be in God's kingdom. They will not be in God's eternal kingdom. If they were from uh, Old Testament times, they will not be with the remnant of Israel who believed and followed God, true believers. And if they live in the time of the New Testament period, which is us, In the time of Jesus until now, um, church in heaven. They will not be in God's kingdom. No eternal hope. Final outcome, verse 6. The wise, verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Now, you know, I'm a little bit dated. Some of you know that quite well. And I like some things that are older, and I like the older version of the NIV, which is the 1984 version, and it says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And that's, to me, a more accurate uh, translation in that he knows them personally. He knows them intimately. He is in relationship with those who are of the righteous. Uh, He cares about, he guides them, he directs them, he provides for them. Way of the right. Like a father to a child. He watches. 
However, the final outcome of the righteous, the course of the righteous. However, the final outcome of the unwise, verse 6, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the final outcome. Destruction. This is eternal destruction. It's eternal punishment, according to Jesus. There's a separation. He ta- Jesus gave a parable about the wheat and the tares, and they're going to be separated. And the wheat is going to be stored. And the separation of the sheep and the goats. And the sheep are going to honor, have honored God, and the goats are going to face eternal destruction. There's going to be a final judgment. And those who are not blessed will face destruction. Back to Psalm 1-6 in the NIV, 1984. It says, The way of the wicked will perish. As opposed to uh, what we just read. The way of the wicked will perish. Throw that up against John three sixteen through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. This is God's provision for death, for spiritual death. Um, and we learned this from God's word, by the way. This, this is the starting place for everyone. We start with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We start by placing our faith in Christ. For God so loved the world, it's because he loved us that he gave his son Jesus, his one and only son, that whoever, any person, and of course, you know, I've told my story many times in heaven, it's our first growing up, and I thought it meant he, I just pictured God, it's out there in heaven, it's our first glimpses from outer space back at the earth, and I just pictured this little globe, and God loved the globe. I didn't know he loved me, personally. I didn't know he knew everything about me, and he, and he cared about me. I didn't get that until I was 25 years old. So that anyone who believes shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, for, for some of you, how about 2017 being the year that you place your faith in Christ? Never done this before. This is the year. New start. For, verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God's purpose in sending Jesus, save the world. Verse 18, Stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And we just saw that in verse 6b, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The person who doesn't believe is condemned already unless they make that change of placing their faith in Jesus Christ. So as we look to 2017, as we look at a new year, how about a fresh start with God's word? And how about raising if we need to? Some of you are right on and you're in a good place and you're, you've got a good plan and you've got a good situation and you're, you're focused on 
what you're going to do with God's Word in 2017. But for some, we need to up our priority of God's Word. Let's put the God's Word at the top of our priority list. Colossians 3.16 says, Is that just the red letter? The message of Christ dwell among you richly. Message of Christ. What is that just the red letter edition of the Bible? Where we only focus on those red letters. By the way, there's nothing biblical about red letters. It's, a, it's the editor's attempt of identifying the words that Jesus actually spoke. All of the Bible is the word of Jesus. All of the Bible is the message of Jesus. Okay? He's God. It's all God's word. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Well, how does that happen? How does it dwell among you? Well, we have to get exposed to it. We, we have to uh, spend time with it. We have to get to know it. We can do that in groups. We can do that Sunday morning as a part of it. Personal time is a part of it. And let it dwell in us richly as we admonish one another with all wisdom. You care about somebody and you want to help them, you want to encourage them, and, some, and it helps if, if with somebody we know and say, tap us on the shoulder and say, somebody, and it helps to say, hey, somebody we know and we, we trust and then we know they care about them, to say, hey, I think you need to uh, con- reconsider what you're doing here. You're getting off track a little bit. You kind of need to be realigned. Sometimes we need to, we need to be told by somebody who cares about us when we fall into a path of sin, as we let uh, Christ's message dwell in us richly, we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. You know, a great thing is when we worship on Sunday morning, a lot of songs we sing are just scriptural truth after scriptural truth after scriptural truth. It's, it's meant to encourage. It's meant to build up as we worship God. That's what God's word does. And the final passage is John 8:31 32. Do we have John 8:31 and 32? Okay. This is Jesus and he said to his followers, "If you hold to my teaching." Now, I like the NIV 1984. It says it's referring to Jesus's teaching written word. That's exactly what it's referring to, Jesus' teaching. Not just the red letters. All of God's word. If you continue in God's word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're the real deal. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. God's word is extremely powerful. It nourishes our soul. It builds us up. It's life-giving. And um, it, it has the power to set us free. Set us free from um, the bondage of sin. Set us free from uh, Jesus' death on the cross. Broke the power of sin. Broke the power of death. And broke the power of Satan. God's word has the power to break sin, break death, break the power of Satan. Has the power to set us free from habitual sin, from 
addictions, from sin patterns, uh, from the power of eternal uh, to free us from the power of eternal death and the power of demonic uh, forces. So one of the things uh, in your program, and uh, Emily referred to it already, there is a new reading plan. And uh, some of you already are, are, have a great reading plan, but maybe you don't. Here is uh, something that you can do. Please notice January 1st, you get the day off because you're here. Tomorrow is January 2nd, you could start by reading Luke chapter 1. And what this is, it's the life of Jesus from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chronologically. All the Gospels are written at different times with different purposes, and they often give different information. Uh, Mark probably written first. Matthew uh, gives more information, but some of the same information as Mark. Luke was written next, third, and Luke read Matthew and Mark before he wrote. And Luke uh, put in a lot of parables that are in no other gospel. Twenty years later, John will write. John already knows what's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so he writes uh, parts of Jesus' story that nobody else has. And uh, this can be a helpful way. I, one of the things uh, my favorite prof in seminary, Howard Hendricks, said was, you need to study the life of Jesus every year. And here's a good way to start the year. You want to just what can you learn about Jesus? And here's something you can do. This will take us right up to Easter. And uh, crucifixion will be right before Easter if you want to know how it turns out in the end. But there's a resurrection after the crucifixion. Okay. So consider a new plan, new year. We are going to uh, close our service with a time of communion a time to start over. God designed the church so that we would have times that we would uh, reflect and evaluate, make sure that there's no sin, and we move forward into our world. And that's what we want to do uh, right now. As we come to, as we finish December 31st, 2016, uh, forgetting what lies, just make sure you're right with God and forget probably okay to forget. Just make sure you're right with God. And if you need to be forgiven, ask him to forgive you. And let's start fresh today. New walk with God. When we celebrate communion, by the way, our communion is open to everybody who considers themselves a follower of Christ. And um, we want to remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And... Um, Appreciate his great power for us. Appreciate victory over sin, victory over death, victory over demonic forces. When we remember, Jesus said that we are to give thanks. That was his model. So let's do that now. And as I pray, uh, with those who are going to serve communion, please uh, come and prepare our communion. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for the opportunity we have to know you, to know about you through your word. Thank you that we know about Jesus and we have 
the promise of eternal life through our faith in Jesus. Thank you that you've sent your Holy Spirit. And uh, we have that promise of his indwelling and that he will fill us and uh, lead us and empower us. God, we give you thanks for uh, your provision for our sin, that Jesus died on our behalf. He took our place. He was our substitute. We don't deserve life. We deserve the death. And yet he took our death. And today we say thank you. And Father, you've told us that we should examine ourselves and we want to do that. We just want to pause. We want to reflect. And we ask God that you'll bring to mind anything that we should confess as sin to you and we can do that privately and silently right now. And so just take some time to let Jesus search your heart. Agree with him about your own sin. Father, as we think about your word this morning, I'm grateful for promises in your word. I'm grateful for the promise you've given. If we confess our sins, he, you, that are faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us of all unrighteousness. Thank you that we know that's true. Thank you that we can be cleansed right now, right on the spot. And whenever we confess our sins, we can be made clean. Thank you for that provision for Christ's followers. The bread this morning that represents the body of Jesus Christ. We are, remind, we are mindful of his death for us. We thank you for the cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us when he was nailed to the cross. We recognize that it was his life and his blood that paid for our sin penalty. His life His blood, infinitely valuable to cover our sin. And we say, thank you, God. Amen.